If no one sheds light on what is being done in the darkness, it will never stop. One in three girls and one in six boys are sexually abused and told to hush. Breaking the silence is the first step to healing. Healing is a lifelong journey. Find your voice. Your story matters. Pain put me into hiding. Purpose called me out. May the silence be broken. Thanks for listening to the One Voice Podcast. It's a safe place for conversation on relevant topics with real-life stories to encourage and inspire you along life's journey of healing from sexual abuse. I'm Mary O'Brien, and now Nicole Braddock-Bromley. Hi, Mary. Hi. (laughs) So glad to be back again for another podcast today. um, We are talking with an author of a couple of books. And actually, Mary, you and I met her about five years ago when we spoke at a conference in State College, Pennsylvania. Um, Welcome to the One Voice Podcast, Karen. Thank you. It's great to be here, Nicole. Awesome. Well, um, it was really a pleasure to speak at that conference many years ago. I know that you have just had such a heart for survivors of sexual abuse for many, many years and have done a lot of work locally where you're at um, in just creating safe spaces for survivors to come together. Um, And you, you just released a new book, I believe, about a couple of months ago called Restoration for the Brokenhearted, which is a study guide for healing from abuse. But this book actually is a complement to a novel that you published in 2018 called Pearls of Innocence, Shattered and Restored. And I was hoping you could kind of get us started in our conversation today by sharing a little bit about that book, Pearls of Innocence, and how, um, you know, that became a foundation of now your latest release. Okay. Um, so when I was going through my counseling journey, um, I, I couldn't write, um, I mean, I couldn't even talk about the pain that was going on in my heart. And, um, so the counselor said to me, well, if you can't talk about it, try writing about it. Mm -hmm. And that's when I began journaling. That's when all the pain started coming out. Okay. Um, And so I would end up reading different portions of, of my journal entries to the counselor And the one day he said, I think you should write a book. You'll help a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I was so early in my recovery. I said, there's no way I'm going to write a book. You know, Mm -hmm. I had a hard enough time talking to the counselor about it. Um, (laughs) um, But, you know, God just had a way of bringing that back to me over and over again. Mm -hmm. And I began to see that as a way of, um, you know, giving purpose to my pain because Mm -hmm. we're in so much pain. At that point, we just want the journey to be over. Um, and then I thought, if I can help someone else, you know, who's going through this, um, you know, really difficult stage and help them, you know, see how I've been able to, to get some healing and overcome that, that would be a good thing to do. Yeah. Uh, and so I began, you know, to write. So out of a lot of my journal entries is what made up the book, although I fictionalized it. Yeah. Um, yeah, which I find very unique. I really like that 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 it w- it was made into you know a novel that was a fiction novel in a way to um, portray a lot of the parts of abuse and a lot of the effects of abuse and a lot of the struggles that survivors go through, but in a fiction novel. Yeah, yeah. I um actually I pitched the uh, I wrote it as a memoir first, and I pitched the um, idea to an agent at a writer's conference and she suggested that I fictionalize it. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so I had never written fiction before. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. So I prayed about it and I knew by that weekend that God wanted me to write fiction. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. So um, I did a lot of research on writing at the library. I joined a writer's group and got a lot of critiques um, and that helped so much. It took about seven years um, to complete the book. Wow. Wow. Um, You know, between continuing the journey and also I'm a caregiver for my husband who has MS. Okay. Um, And so it wasn't like I could just sit down and write, you know, so just here and there, like I write on the side is what I say. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. um, I was just so excited to be able to, to offer that resource to people. And then, you know, in our recovery groups, you know, through the Oasis Healing Ministry out of the first conference, Mm -hmm. we began to have recovery groups for women to come and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, not feel so alone and be understood and validated and, you know, share their stories. And, and then, so one of the times um, after my book was published, we were able to go through that. And that was a real joy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And probably taking time, seven years to be able to kind of journal your own stuff out alongside writing for other people was probably a powerful journey too. You know, it's not something you were trying to pump out really quickly for the general public. This was really, it meant a lot to you. And I'm sure even your journey was changing. You know, we say healing's lifelong. And yeah. um, I'm sure that there was a lot of change even in you as you were going through that. Yeah, I grew, I grew a whole lot. Um, and yeah, and I think I never realized how much it would help in my own healing, you know, to write about, to write a book for other people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I loved what you wrote at the beginning of this new book, Restoration for the Brokenhearted, where you talked about time. You said, you know, Mm -hmm. that time heals all wounds is such a commonly heard saying, but (laughs) but you say there is a time to heal wounds and healing takes time. Yeah. I think because, you know, the devastation of abuse that leaves such deep wounding in a person's soul that time alone can never heal that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so um, I look at it like, um, well, you know, time, the benefit of time is that it creates space between ourselves and the event. Right. And within that space, we find that time to heal the wounds and we discover that healing is a process. Mm -hmm. And so that process I like to compare to the forming of a pearl. Mm -hmm. Because um, what happens is, well, like a pearl, um, well, an art, like a particle or like an irritant gets trapped inside a mollusk shell. Mm-hmm. And as a defense mechanism, the mollusk begins to coat that with a substance called nacre, N-A-C-R-E. Okay. And that means mother of pearl. And that is that shining iridescent substance that forms the layer of the inside of some mollusks. Mm -hmm. And so it coats it over and over again, like thousands upon thousands of layers. And then over time, slowly a pearl begins to form. It's strong and iridescent and it's what gives a pearl its unique glow. And it takes like two to four years just for a single pearl to form. Hmm. So I like to compare that because we're made in God's image. And when the pain of abuse enters our souls, we become trapped in lies. Mm -hmm. And in our defense, the Holy Spirit 
comes to our aid and he speaks truth into our hearts and um you know through the word of god and we learn that you know um, we do have value we do have worth and god loves us and so after we coat ourselves over and over again in the truth of who god is who we are we begin to emerge stronger and resilient and we're, we're getting newly restored we might even have a glow about us absolutely I wonder if you could even unpack a little of your own story um, with us, if you'd feel comfortable, um, just kind of maybe some of the, the parts of your healing that you felt, you know, maybe were some of the hardest or maybe the biggest breakthroughs. Um, I was abused, you know, by my father, by spiritual father. Um, and okay. so my, my view of my heavenly father was really skewed. Absolutely. So common. Yeah. So um, being able to, um, you know, learn the word of God, learn what it says about who God is, um, who my father is, and that he is not that person that hurt me, you know, that he has a loving heart. He cares about my best interest. Um, You know, he feels immense compassion for my suffering, Mm -hmm. you know, because I would question like, you know, you know, how can you love me as your child and allow these things to happen? Right. Um, but I found out that, you know, he, he is, um, he is so much, um, so much full of compassion and like he, he didn't want it to happen. He was there and he felt my pain, you know, like, um, I like thinking about how, where Jesus said, you know, like if you've done it unto the least of one of these, you've done it unto me. And so, um, you know, when I was abused, Jesus was there. He felt my pain. And so I think realizing that was so healing to me um, that, you know, God, he cares so deeply when we go through, you know, um, suffering and pain and abuse. Um, Yeah. And I think, you know, having that personal experience for you, you know, and it can look different for so many of us, right? Like that Mm -hmm. brought you so much freedom and comfort because that's what you needed because we're all created so differently and our healing journeys will all look so differently, you know, for Mm -hmm. the next survivor listening that wouldn't bring much freedom for them, but they could find God in another sort of way in their story that does bring freedom. Um, So I, I appreciate that how our journeys are all, they all look so different. And that I do believe God knows what each of us needs to find that comfort, that healing and that freedom specific to us. And I'm so mm-hmm. grateful that, that you had that. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like I cut you off. Were you going to well, say something? I'm just going to say, um, and another thing that was really healing is music. Okay. Yes. And you did incorporate a lot of in, in this book, you know, it is a guide. And so I like how you bring in the arts and music and you even mention like, here's maybe you would listen to the specific song at the end of this chapter. And I, I found that to be unique to your book. So yeah, please share about that. Yeah. So, um, like the one time in particular, I was, I journaled about like, I felt like I was coming undone, I, you know, cried out to God, you know, I just feel like I'm all undone. And the next day I hear this song on the radio um, called, uh, I don't know what the name of it is, but it's like, I love you more than the sun and the stars. I taught how to shine your mind, even when you're coming undone. So it's like God spoke directly to me with that song. And he, he's done that many times. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 
another one like that song by Bibo Norman, I'll lift my eyes. Like I would just sing that to God, like with a hurt I hold inside, you know, I just lift my eyes to you. So, and then like years later, it's like, wow, God, I don't feel that hurt anymore <laughs> that I used to hold inside, you know, because mm-hmm. I've been able to get free of that pain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Sometimes I just wonder if God even really likes what I'm singing to him because I cannot sing, but <laughs> I'll just trust that he loves me anyway. Well, I'm with you on that, Nicole. <laughs> I used to sing to my children at night and eventually they were just like, mm, I'm good. <laughs> we don't need to do that anymore. I was like, oh, noted. I get it. <laughs> Again, I'm glad that helped on your journey for me. There's other things. <laughs> yeah. That's so great. Um, well, sure, um, part of recovery, like, well, I'll just show you an example. I recently broke my finger. Mm. Okay. And so I was at the physical therapist's office and he's working on it. And he said, you know, I had a patient once who she held her, would hold her arm out. And she wouldn't look at her fingers. He said they were pretty bad, but he said she didn't do so well. And I think that's a lot what happens with our pain. Like we hold it at mm. a distance. Yeah. Like um, she wasn't able to um, to watch what he was doing, to learn the exercises, to be able to heal, heal her fingers. Um, And so I think that's such a part of the recovery process for me was being able to face the traumatic events. Yeah. I was able, you know, one by one, layer by layer Mm -hmm. um, and be able to process the pain. And then I I understood like, oh, that's why I feel this way in this situation. That's why I felt uncomfortable around that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just being able to know what, what those emotions are connected to, mm-hmm. you know, the fear, the anxiety, the shame, the pain. Um, so really being able to connect the dots, um, and being able to release a lot of that emotion that we hold inside, um, you know, and then after I faced, you know, much of the trauma, I felt so much lighter. Well, each time I would feel lighter. I don't know if you've experienced that, Nicole, but yeah, I remember um, writing in my journal when I was younger and going through some of the hardest parts of my healing um, that every time that I shared with a safe person, uh, it felt like a heavy blanket was being lifted off of me just little by little. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think a lot of it is the noticing, it's the looking, it's the it's the not avoiding or denying the triggers in our current life. It's like looking at them and then like how does that relate backwards? You know, what is this feeling that I'm experiencing now? How do you think that maybe that happened way back when when the trauma occurred and not looking away from it and just trying to survive? Um, with your face barely above water, but taking a moment, stopping, you know, resting, looking, noticing, talking about it, unpacking it, journaling it. Um, mm-hmm. That's where the freedom comes. And I do think it, it, it does, it takes the load off little by little. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Especially if it's something that you feel so much strongly about and it's yeah. like, wow, that doesn't really fit the situation. So that's where right. is that coming from? That's right. Yeah. yeah. It's so funny. Just before um, you joined us this morning, Karen, uh, Mary and I were just discussing this because in my own healing journey, I've been 
uh, just yesterday I had a session with my therapist and was talking about, you know, there's these certain things that are happening in my current life where I feel a little powerless, where I feel like things are changing. And it's like the things I thought were in my control aren't in my control. And it's making me feel a little crazy. It's, it's making me feel a little anxious in my day. And I don't, I I struggle between isolating or finding the safe person that can validate or at least just listen without judgment. Um, And she's like, where is this coming? Like, this isn't, you think that this seems silly for you, but it's rooted in something. This is a trigger and it's important to look at the triggers. And if you look backwards, I see, oh gosh, yeah. When change, when powerlessness happens, when I don't feel in control, when something surprises me, that's when dire consequences happened. And so it's valid that I'm feeling this now. Mm -hmm. I think it is really important to give yourselves a little bit of grace in this process and to acknowledge, you know, that these feelings are valid and to look at them because that's where the healing can happen. We can make the connection backwards. It's like, you're going back in time to free the little one that was abused. Okay. And also going off of that, sometimes I, when I feel like I'm not ready to put the dots together yet, because it's, it's too much that I just pray about, you know, Cole, we've talked about the prayer of God, just help me do the next thing, just whatever the next thing is I need yeah. to do to survive. Yeah. Uh, even though I want to be able to look at, you know, like you shared Karen, be able to look at the fingers to see what the real trauma is. Maybe I'm not ready for that yet. So we'll get there, but right now just give me the strength to get through the next 30 minutes or the next hour. Um, cause sometimes I'm not able to bite off that big chunk, but I can just do the little ones to get to the next one. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. That's so good, Mary. Thanks for thanks for saying that. Yeah. I think it's a lot of of small steps that add up mm-hmm. to the big ones, and and we don't know that we're doing the hard work when we're doing the small things mm-hmm. until right. we look backwards and look at how far we've really come. And the little things matter, mm-hmm. and those little prayers matter. I do think that too. You know, it's just a small relinquishing of control and mm-hmm. being able to sit with our feelings. Um, that maybe last year we would ignore, mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah, know, that's so important. Hey, real quick. I just wanted to let you guys know our current fall session for the Unleash survivor e-course and support group has already kicked off. We're very excited for all the survivors who are joining us and it's just going to be such a beautiful journey. Sorry for those of you who didn't get in in time. Just kidding. I really want to offer another one this upcoming January. So please keep your eyes out for that. It will be found at IamOneVoice.org. You can find out the times. We often have scholarships for those interested and in need of financial help. So reach out to us for that if you're in need of that. Um, But plan ahead for that. I think it'll be a really good experience for many of you who've been thinking about it or have been looking for something to get involved with as far as like finding a small community. It's just such a safe place to be able to show up as you are to talk about, you know, the effects of abuse and the struggles that we're going through and to hear from others and know you're not alone. There's so much value in these groups. I can't say it enough. So please keep your eye out for the next course. The winter course will likely begin right after the new year. Also, we've got new merch. Check it out at the One Voice store. Go to IamOneVoice.org, click store. And we have some really sweet new artwork on some t-shirts, some just really empowering messages. And 
wanted to let you know about it as they're about to go on sale next week. Karen, you talk a lot about Jesus in your book and you talk a lot about his miracles and the healings um, that were recorded in scripture. And I wonder if you have a favorite story or a favorite characteristic of Christ that maybe you've clinged to the most um, as a survivor of abuse. Oh, that's a great question. Mm. Um, maybe not your most favorite, but maybe one that just sticks out to you today. I think his compassion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, because not only did he care, but he did something about it. Mm. You know, when, when someone was suffering and, you know, I love, well, I shared this in there, the story of the woman with the bleeding issue, yeah. <laughs> you know, and the shame that she carried. Um, and yet, you know, um, and she tried to hide, you know, even though she received that miracle of healing, she didn't want any attention, but, but Jesus loved her so much that he stopped, you know, to give her um, not only the, the physical healing, and that's what I love about Jesus the most is that, you know, the physical healings are awesome and, and great, but I think the work he does in our hearts, the tremendous work of healing is, is just are his best miracles. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, the woman was, she had so much shame and I can relate so well, but Jesus, you know, stopped, you know, he, everyone just stopped and he singled her out, you know, and, um, you know, he called her his daughter and, you know, he freed her from her shame, you know, in society. Um, he freed her to be able to go, you know, back to um, the house of worship and um, be freed from her suffering. And and so I, I just, um, that, that was such compassion to me. So, um, you know, he, he didn't reject or shame her um, and, he, and he delivered her from that shame. And that's what I love about Jesus is that because he demonstrated his love on the cross that we can, we can take that shame, which I've done over and over again, Mm -hmm. you know, taking that shame to the foot of the cross and saying, Jesus, you know, take this. I don't want to carry it anymore. And so, um, and I just feel it's so compassionate of him because he actually does that. Yeah. He actually washes away that shame that we feel um, instead of allowing us to, you know, have the self-contempt and wallow in that and like, you know, do destructive things to hurt ourselves. We can actually just bring that shame and that pain to him, you know, and he can, he can do that cleansing work, which is amazing to me. No one else can do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that it's a journey that, you know, we can even be on in that sense too. You know, it's, you know, the shame can be so overwhelming for survivors. And I think that it's a journey to understand, like making the connection between your mind and your heart, right? Like sometimes we can believe something because we've been told a million times, we don't really accept it in our heart until bam, right? (laughs) one day, like we've been on this journey and we're just seeking healing. We're doing all the right things, but we still have those dark moments. And then I think as part of the faith journey, it's like, then eventually something snaps and like, you know, whether it's the Holy spirit or whatever God is like placing in our path. And it's like, this is the day when I really understood that it wasn't my fault. That was the day. And I'm going to remember this day forever. And when I, that shame starts to creep back up, I'm going to remember back to this moment 
you know, when this thing was placed on my path, when this truth was revealed to me, when this person came along and did something for my soul, like it, this is the day. Yeah. I just, I love that we can have those moments and we can have hope for those moments, even when maybe it hasn't met us yet. Right. I love that too. Yeah. I think that can even come in the form of, you know, you, you kind of, um, you mentioned this earlier as we were talking about the trust issue and, you know, when it's hard to believe that God is good, you know, in different parts. And I love just being able to be honest about that in our journey. I think God really meets us in those honest moments where we're not just saying everything we're supposed to say, or we grew up in this family and this is how they talked about God, you know, and that's how I have to now talk about him, but like that we can actually say, you know, our honest feelings, especially as a result of our trauma Mm -hmm. and that he's safe enough and good enough to meet us in that too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like what, um, Eugene Peterson said one time about, about God that, um, you know, it's easy to be honest with God, you know, in our, in our hallelujahs, but it's so much harder to be honest with God in our hate, you know? Yeah. Um, And so, I just love that we can, we can just voice the why questions, you know, yeah. why do you allow sexual abuse? You know, why did, you know, why didn't you help me? Yeah. You know, why weren't you there? You know, we can just voice that. Yeah. Um, and we can say, I hate you, God, why did you allow that? You know, yeah. and he's not going to turn away and say, you know, you're not my child anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I love you. It's like, you yeah. know, a teenage child would, would get angry and say, I hate you. You know, it's like, you know, God, you know, we'll never, you know, which is, it's interesting because there's a point in my journey when I thought God was angry with me just because I was angry with him, <laughs> you know, and he didn't love me anymore because mm-hmm. if I was angry with him, he certainly was angry with me. So, yeah. Um, but, you know, you were talking about those moments when you look back and <laughs> I went to this service at church. It was a healing and anointing service. And I was um, just really at the point of feeling like God doesn't love me and, you know, dealing with, really a difficult, you know, traumatic event. And um, so I was sitting in the back of the church with some friends and we were singing, um, turn your eyes upon Jesus. And all of a sudden um, the pastor said, Jesus is here. And I felt this wind like rush by me. I never experienced that ever before. Mm -hmm. And because I thought, um, because they, you were invited to go up front for prayer, you know, if, and I thought there's no way I can go up and tell anybody about what's going on. Mm-hmm. So after I felt this wind, it's like, wow, Jesus is here. And he gave me the strength to go forward. And I sat down and um, a woman mm-hmm. came and sat next to me. And she said, what are you here for? And I said, emotional healing. And um, she said, she put her arm around me and she said, were you sexually abused as a child? I'm like, where'd that come from? (laughs) Yeah, I don't like that, but go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, And so I said, yes. And then just the tears just came out, you know, and and then she prayed over me um, the verse that says, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And so that told me, yes, God loves me. He's not finished with me yet. I'm on this journey you know, and so I was able to counteract those lies that said, you know, you know, because you're angry with God, he doesn't love you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not true. It's like God loves you and um, he's working in your life and nothing will will ever change that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like what you said earlier about like you felt like God was 
hated you because you hated him or you were hating him because you thought he hated you. Like, isn't that so childlike of us? Yep. (laughs) You know, I think I just think about even some of my own kids, like they can be like acting mad at me because they know I'm mad at them, but they're really not mad at me that, you know, it's like this cycle where you just kind of like, well, me too. Like you're going to act like that. Well, me too. And that's how I'm going to get you back. Like, Mm -hmm. isn't that so funny, but like get the, you know, our God can be just so patient with that and see it for what it is and wait it out. I really love that. It reminds me of the story of the prodigal son in the Bible. You know, it's like, I think a lot of people think that the prodigal came back because of like conviction or like something like the father was doing to like judge his situation. Like he, but I see like the prodigal was coming back because the father had created a safe space for him when he was ready. Mm-hmm. You know, if he wasn't, if it was all about condemnation and judgment and anger about the bad mistakes he had made, there would be nothing to come back to. Right. right. But the, the home was there. It was waiting when he was ready and he knew it was going to be a safe place for him to come back to. Well, that just gives me goosebumps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I, I just think that that it's part of our journey where every single one of us were in process, you know, and mm-hmm. God is going to meet us in one way or another, but it's going to be the way that he designed us to be met. Mm-hmm. And that's, what's so cool about not only the healing journey, but our faith journey too, and how they intertwine. And then just truly, I think, you know, as a follower of Jesus, that those are some of the most remarkable milestones along the journey is when you're like, you really see how the God of this universe actually meets us on our path at that specific time, you know? So I I like how you're kind of bringing that in and you're through your writing, you're allowing people to encounter that you're helping people to have that encounter. And that's really, really powerful. Not saying that how it happened for you has to happen for everybody, but it's Mm -hmm. an opportunity for them to experience that. Um, Yeah. Yeah, So it's a guide, right? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And we all, we all need guides. (laughs) That's so good. Well, I'm wondering, you know, you've, you've been on this journey of like your own healing of, of journaling, journaling, turning into fiction, writing, fiction, writing, turning into a, a nonfiction study guide. Um, what's next for you? I mean, you, you've also helped put on this conference to talk about sexual abuse in the church, which is a huge thing mm-hmm. that you've, you've done and that's happened multiple times. So yeah. What, what is next for you, Karen? I just, I love how it's just one thing sort of leads to another for you and you're just continuing to stay open to opportunities. Well, that's where I'm at right now. Nicole is open. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know the next step yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're beginning to use the study guide in in another recovery group, a new recovery group that's just begun. So that's presently where it's at. Great. Um, yeah. But I'm open to, um, I do love to write. So mm. whatever leading I receive, I'll follow. Yeah. <laughs> that's um, great. Yeah. Do you have that's any, really any um, I don't know, anything that you would like to see? Like, um, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. In well, this I'll, in this area. I mean, um I just think survivors need more and more safe spaces that are um 
within the church that are about the church that are not about the church, but about God, you know, again, meeting us in our healing. I just think that there's so much shame and pain that comes from specifically Christian environments for survivors of sexual abuse that we need more people that are creating safe spaces for them to be able to talk about their pain um, and to be heard. And um, so I just, I love how, you know, you have groups going, you have conferences where you're making those spaces available. So I just say, keep doing that. (laughs) And, you know, it'll change. It'll change just like, you know, for Mary and I running these online support groups for sexual abuse survivors, like, 20 years ago. And this all started for me, never would have dreamed that that would be what we're doing now. But I think just as culture shifts, as technology, you know, happens, we are just finding new ways to be there for survivors um, and create the safe spaces. So yeah, I think just being open to that and maybe somehow working together, that'd be amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You you do an awesome job. I love the Mm -hmm. ministry that you have. And the podcast that you and Mary do, it's its so helpful to so many people. Mm, thank you so much. You. Well, we have fun doing it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, this is such a joy, Karen. Thank you so much for joining us. We're really excited um, just about everything that you've accomplished and also just your healing and your heart, your heart is just really precious. And, and we're grateful for that. So how can people find your book? How would you prefer for them to find both of your books? Um, is there a website you'd like them to visit or? Yeah. Amazon. They can find it on Amazon. They could go to my website too, which would, you know, have the link there, which is www.safetoheal.net. Safetoheal.net. Great. Yeah. That's easier. That's excellent. (laughs) Okay, good. Well, thank you. Well, we'll definitely push people to find you in that way and keep doing what you're doing, Karen. We're really grateful for you. Oh, thank you, Nicole. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe, write a review if you heard something you liked, even invite others to listen so we can be on this healing journey together. You can check us out on Facebook or go to IamOneVoice.org.